folks. Welcome back to another edition of the CIC Cast. I am Joel Cookson, and I am very, very happy you've decided to uh, spend a little time with us this week as we uh, turn our attention to the fall championship season. It is uh, that time of year. We are uh, recording this on a Thursday, the 2nd of November, and tomorrow, Friday, the 3rd of November, will be uh, pairings day, as I like to call it here in the CIAC headquarters. We'll be posting the tournament pairings for boys and girls soccer, field hockey, and girls volleyball. So that will kind of kick off the, uh, the big championship portion of the season. Of course, we had the cross-country championships last weekend, and as well tomorrow on Friday will be the open championships in cross country so a big championship uh, day and a big celebration day here at the CIAC headquarters so we're looking forward to that and of course that means we had to uh, get on the phone get on the podcast and and start talking a little bit about these tournaments so we're going to have a couple guests covering a couple different things here we're going to start things off. We're going to talk to Tom Mallon, who is our boys and girls soccer tournament director. He's going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, what a tournament director does here at the CIC, give folks some insight as to the process as we get ready for the pairings, what he's doing during the season, uh, and then give us a little bit of perspective on what he's been seeing out there as he's kind of been monitoring the soccer seasons as we get into uh, into tournament time. Then we're going to get on the phone with Vicki Fulkerson of the Day of New London, one of our favorite folks to talk to. She's always got some some great stories. She's going to give us uh, some teams and some stories to watch uh, in her coverage area. Then we're going to wrap things up. We'll turn our attention to high school football. Uh, not quite tournament time for them, but a crazy uh, weekend last weekend, and we figured that was a good time to get on the phone with Sean Patrick Boley of the New Haven Register, help us take the temperature of the high school football season as we start, uh, as we flip the calendar to November, start looking ahead to the uh, the CIC tournaments in football as well. So a very full edition of the CIC cast. We're glad you've decided to spend a little time talking and listening to uh, some conversation about high school sports in the state of Connecticut. Very quickly, going to run through some of my uh, some of my bookkeeping items here. Of course, we always tell you, you can download and subscribe to the CIC cast on iTunes. If you do that, we'd love if you would subscribe there as well as rate and leave us a review if you listen through iTunes. The CIC cast also now available on the Google Play. Uh, you can listen to us that way as well as Stitcher. So those are all uh, ways that you can check out the CIC cast. You can subscribe, you can download, all that good stuff. Please, uh, please find it. That way you don't have to worry about whether you've missed an episode because heaven forbid you miss an episode of this fine high quality podcast so be sure to uh, look up things on there at the the itunes the uh, google play store and stitcher any of your favorite uh, podcast venues we're trying to get the uh, the ciac cast available for you uh, let's quickly, uh, and of course, uh, let's talk about all the places you should be following the CIAC Sports. You can do that on Twitter, at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. The CIAC cast, or excuse me, CIAC is now on Instagram. You look for uh, CIAC Sports on Instagram as well, as we're trying to figure out how the heck that works. Us, uh, us Luddites here in the office, and by us, I mean me. Uh, trying to figure out what to do with that Instagram account. But uh, we'll hopefully be posting a lot of things once we get into championship season. Some great uh, coverage from out on the uh, the championship trail as we move towards our uh, more of our fall championships. So check out CIAC Sports on Instagram as well. Of course, this time of year, you're going to want to bookmark Tournament Central. So if you go to CIACsports.com, the Tournament Central button is uh, right there on the right side of the page. You can also just go to TournamentCentral.CIACsports.com. And uh, that's where you're going to find all of your pairings, your results, your schedules, your directions, your brackets, everything you want to find uh, will be available there at Tournament Central. Rosters, schedule, uh, rosters, and uh, and um, rosters, and what else is on those sheet? Uh, results, rosters, and results. That's the word I was looking for. Um, as you as you head through, so you should uh, definitely bookmark that page. All of that stuff is also available on the CIAC's uh, mobile site, which is uh, CIACmobile.com. If you look that up on your mobile device, the browser on your mobile uh, mobile device, you will be able to get uh, brackets, schedules, results, anything you want there as well. Um, also encourage you to sign up for email, text, or, email or text alerts. Um, to get tournament information as it's happening. If there's games that are postponed, rescheduled, um, you can sign up for a specific sport, a specific class of a specific sport. You can uh, tailor it just about any way you want, a specific school, whatever it might be. Uh, the options are available there uh, to get information sent either via text or email to you uh, 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 to keep tabs on everything that's happening with the CIAC Sports Championship. So lots of good options for you. 
We hope folks will uh, will take a, a look at all of that and uh, and let's get to it now. So uh, I won't even run through things you might have missed at CICSports.com because, as I said, uh, just lots of tournament stuff. So before we get, let's uh, let's get right to our conversations here. So we're going to get on the phone, check in with Tom Mallon, our boys and girls soccer tournament director. First, he's going to give us a little bit of a preview about what uh, what folks can be looking at when uh, the pairings come out tomorrow. The tournament pairings for the fall season are uh, less than 24 hours away from being released, and so we wanted to get on the phone with uh, Tom Mallon, our boys and girls soccer tournament director, to, to tell us a little bit about the process and, and what he's looking forward to here as we get into the, the silly season in boys and girls soccer and the fall sports in the coming days. So, Tom, thanks so much for joining us for the first time on the podcast. Thank you very much. I look forward to uh, this afternoon and looking forward to the soccer tournament. I think, uh, I think that's a, a popular consensus here, so here in the office. So we'll start off with uh, just kind of talking a little bit about, you know, the role of the tournament director and, and maybe things that, that folks are uh, unaware of in terms of how the, the process works. So I guess I'll just start off by saying, you know, how does one become the, uh, the CIAC Boys and Girls Soccer uh, Tournament Director? Well, I guess the easiest answer was that the CIAC reached out to me, right, to uh, you know, ask me if I'd be interested in, you know, doing the position, um, taking over for the late Charlie Sherris, mm -hmm. who was a great person, uh, athletic director, soccer coach at uh, South Windsor High School. Uh, tough shoes to fill, but I accepted the challenge, and uh, and then now, now I'm in his position of uh, trying to make some decisions in regards to boys and girls soccer. All right. So um, when and uh, when when that happens, you know, what were you sort of uh, what did you know about what you were getting yourself into, I guess, would be the, uh, the, the question. You know, what, what did you know about the position and, and kind of, you know, from your experience and, and having seen it, uh, and I know serving on our committees uh, for a long time, you know, what was your sort of understanding of what you were going to be doing? Well, it was, uh, you know, stepping into something that I was, you know, kind of unsure of. But I think what helped me out a lot was that I was a varsity soccer coach at East Catholic for 40 years, and you know, I also served on the boys' soccer committee for an extended period of time, so I kind of knew the you know the inner workings, you know, of doing pairings and uh, you know and getting fields and you know and things like that. Yeah. You know, but you really don't know what's you know, going to go on until you actually get into those shoes and you know, start, uh, you know, answering questions and fielding questions from a variety of different people. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, and, uh, and and leading right into that, what kind of things have you been doing just sort of in terms of, you know, preparation uh, as we get ready here? You know, where are we in terms of sort of your your preparation and, and what have you been doing and, and what are you kind of getting ready for uh, leading up to, uh, to uh, the committee meeting tomorrow and finalizing the pairings? Well, the first thing that you hope for as a tournament director especially with a sport that's outside, is that you have nice weather. Mm -hmm. you know, so, I'm, so I'm continually looking at the weather forecast, and I, you know, and I just love these 10-day forecasts, so you know, it gives maybe a little insight as to you know, what the weather's going to be. You know, other than that, I've, I've had great cooperation from Greg Simon and Paul Hoey down at CIAC, uh, Joe Del Buno, right, who is the assistant tournament director, who's actually in charge of... Uh, you know, officials, assigning mm -hmm. officials for the tournament. So I've been in contact with him. And probably daily, um, you know, looking at the various divisions and seeing how we're lining up, you know, for teams and, you know, both the boys and girls division, which, by the way, it's gonna it looks like it's going to be an exciting tournament because of a lot of great teams that are out there. No question about it. How much, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you're trying to, to predict a little bit in your head maybe you know and kind of map out you know who you you know maybe who you think might be going forward how much of that are you doing at this point and, and kind of coming up with um you know contingencies and maybe if this goes this way or is it a little too early to get into that kind of uh you know thinking when obviously uh there's still so many matches uh to be played you know you it's always in the back of your mind you know so I'm, you know i'm looking at you know the teams and you know, you see teams like the boys division, Class L, you know, E.O. Smith with a 16-0 and record, uh, you know, Old Saybrook down in the S division, 16-0, and and you look over to the girls, Suffield is 16-0 and in the double L division, mm -hmm. uh, Lewis Mills is 16-0 and in the M division, you know, so you're looking at it, but, you know, the real work is going to be come, uh, you know, after the pairings on Friday, when you actually can look down, look at the brackets, and, you know, you know, try to figure out, you know, who may advance and, you know, who might. But one thing I learned in, you know, coaching 40 years of soccer 
every team that's going into the tournament has a record of zero and zero. Yep. And, and along the way, there's probably going to be you know one or two or three you know upsets that occur that you know could throw the brackets off completely. No question about it. Uh, you don't have to go too much farther back than uh, I believe it was. Either two, I think two years ago now, when uh, the last team to get in in uh, girls' class S, Portland, uh, came away with winning the title. So uh, all you needed to do is uh, is get your name into that pairing sheet uh, tomorrow uh, tomorrow morning, and uh, and teams are looking at uh, at having a chance, however uh, however slim it might be. So from uh, from your perspective, you mentioned the weather, and I know that's always uh, on the forefront of your mind um, and tournament director's mind as we go forward, but. What are some of the biggest challenges uh, from you, you know, having done this one year and, and sort of still uh, getting familiar with the position that, uh, that managing the tournament um, you know, brings to the, to the forefront? I, I think one of the biggest challenges is securing you know, great locations you know, for our student-athletes and the coaches mm -hmm. you know, and, and trying to get the best facilities you know, that are available. I, I know in boys and girls soccer for the finals, you know, we're, we're booked into you know, four great sites you know, with West Haven, Middletown, Municipal Stadium, and Waterbury, you know, and uh, Willowbrook Park in New Britain. You know, so we're you're basically all set there. And then the other daunting task that I've been, you know, on the phone, you know, this week is securing semifinal sites. Right. You know, and again, getting facilities that, you know, hopefully will be cut down on travel, you know, for our schools and, you know, fields that are neutral that teams haven't, you know, played on before. You know, so that in itself is a little challenge. No question about it. And as you, you mentioned, semifinal games, so you're talking, uh, you know, two games for, for eight divisions. That's uh, That fills up pretty quickly with, uh, with you know, with the schedule and, and the number of available sites here. So uh, uh, I'll let you, uh, you know, kind of wrap one up. Thing, one oh, I'm sorry, one thing I'd like to say, say about that is, uh, you know, getting these semifinal sites that you mentioned, 16 of them, you know, I've had great cooperation from uh, a lot of athletic directors, you know, across the state you know, stepping forward and, you know, offering, you know, their fields, you know, for our semifinal games, you know, so that's, that's a, uh, you know, a relief, you know, that, that I have that, you know, they're stepping forward and, you know, you know, giving their sights for the betterment of soccer and, you know, make it a good experience for our student athletes and coaches. Yep, no question about it. That's always the priority, and uh, we, we say it. Uh, we probably don't say it as often as we should, but uh, these, these tournaments simply do not go without uh, schools uh, volunteering their facilities and, uh, and being willing to, to host events for us. So we, we really can't thank them enough because, quite frankly, we, uh, the, the tournaments would not exist without the, the cooperation of our, uh, our ADs and schools around the state. So um, that's, uh, that, that's a, a hugely important factor as we, uh, we move forward for the next through few weeks. So you, uh, you talked about, you know, a couple teams and their impressive records as you kind of poke your way through, uh, you know, the, the potential pairings and things like that. I'm just curious, as you've, uh, you know, obviously a, a longtime coach, you're certainly uh, um, keeping an eye on the, on the soccer scene as the season progresses. I'm just curious if you've, uh, you know, kind of been keeping your tabs on things as, as they've been going forward this year in boys and girls soccer. Anything that's kind of caught your eye or any interesting uh, stories that maybe jump out at you as we get ready for these, uh, these tournaments to get underway? Uh, one thing I mentioned is uh, E.O. Smith, you know, with their record 16-0-0. You know, and John Bloomstrand does a great job at E.O. Smith, and it's nice to see that they're, you know, right back in form again this year. Mm -hmm. and, that, and as I look at the, you know, the rankings, you know, before we officially meet tomorrow, I figured out that almost every team that won a state championship is back to defend, you know, their title. You know, which, which was right. nice and speaks, speaks volumes for their particular program. And actually two schools, you know, actually, you know, moved up a division. Uh, Milton Dam and Fairfield, uh, the Class L last year for the girls, you know, they moved up to L division from Class M. Mm -hmm. And we had also Brookfield, that was a M champion last year, moved up to the L division. So, was, you know, a little bit of champions. A little bit of change there, but you know, all the all the championships are back for another year and another run at it. Absolutely, and that uh, certainly adds to the to the excitement for those schools. and uh, And it's looking forward to uh, to a couple good weeks of soccer. And as you said, hopefully the weather cooperates. We get some great. Uh, Great competitive games, and uh, and we're looking forward to kicking it all off uh, officially tomorrow with the the release of the uh, the tournament packet. So, Tom, we will see you down here in the offices uh, uh, tomorrow morning, and uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to kind of give folks a little bit of a peek behind the curtain at what uh, what tournament directors are doing and thinking about at this time of year. We appreciate it.
Thank you, and I you know, I appreciate taking time with you, and you know, I hope that you know a lot of our you know fans of all the schools get out there and uh, really appreciate the the effort of our student athletes and coaches in the state tournaments. Absolutely, thanks, Tom. Okay, look, thank you, Joel. Thanks so much to Tom, a good good friend of the CIAC, doing a nice job for us as the tournament director now in his second year uh, as our boys and girls soccer tournament director. Next up, Vicki Fulkerson of the Day of New London. Let's check in with Vicki, hear what she's got to say uh, as the tournaments are approaching here in the fall. With the fall uh, championship season getting underway uh, in just a few days, we wanted to reach out to one of our favorite uh, folks on the high school beat uh, in the state of Connecticut, Vicki Fulkerson of the New London Day. She's going to check in with us about some of the happenings uh, in, in her part of the state. Vicki, how are you doing? Good. How are you this morning? I'm doing just fine. Getting uh, Starting to get geared up for uh, what's going to be a fun uh, a fun uh, month or so here of, uh, of high school championships. So uh, I know you're very busy in the midst of, uh, of league tournaments and all that good stuff, uh, but... Um, the, the pairings are coming out tomorrow, so just wanted to, to get in touch with you and say, so who are um, a couple of the teams, uh, you know, that you've kind of got your eye on uh, from your uh, coverage area as uh, as we start looking at the state tournaments here uh, kicking off in a few days? Well, uh, uh, l l last week we had two teams uh, fin finish undefeated for the regular season, two soccer teams, uh, so, that, so they would be sort of at the top of the list mm -hmm. going into the state tournament. We had the... The Stonington boys soccer team right now is in the middle of their conference tournament, and they're 17-0-1. I went and covered them for their last regular season game to see them finish undefeated. Um, they'll be one of the teams to watch in Class M. Uh, they're interesting because uh, last season they were an underdog, like a complete underdog, and won the ECC tournament and then kind of made a dent in Class M. And now this year they're clearly one of the more experienced teams uh, you know, p passing it, passing it to each other well, good goaltending. Mm -hmm. um, they ha they have a defender, Cam Whalen, who's also a really good track player, uh, a good track hurdler. Um, so they're one of the top teams in Class M and, and fun to watch. Um, and then the old Lime girls soccer team finished 16-0 and during the regular season for the first time in program history. Wow. They'll be the top, they'll be the top seed in Class S. Uh, they're the only undefeated team in Class S, and they're also the two-time defending Class S champion. So they're they're on quite a roll the past couple of years. Um, when you watch them play, they're just like on a different plane than most teams you see. Just just in terms of comfort level with each other, like intuition where where each other is going to kick the ball. Um, they're just like kind of at a different level than a lot of the teams. Um, mm -hmm. Just from from experience, um, they're they're number one in the in the state poll for the class M and S poll. Uh, their their top goal scorer, her name is Maya Johnson. Um, when she was a freshman in 2015, she's a junior this year. She had 31 goals as a freshman. She was 13 years old when the season started oh, in 2015, goodness. and they and they they tied for the state title that year. Then last year they won the state title. Um, they beat Old Saber one to nothing. And now this year, Maya, as of right now, has 28 goals and eight assists. So she's back uh, on a tear. Um, they they have a goalie this year. The goalkeeping was going to be a little bit of an issue going into the year because their their goalie left the school or le left the program. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, th there's a girl, Emily Rivera, who is a first time goaltender who has 15 shutouts this year. And uh, I was just talking to the coach this morning, the assistant coach, and she was telling me that their their center back, Maddie Zorinda, is a senior this year. Since her freshman year, she's taken part in 46 shutouts. Wow. So they, they have everything. They have the goal scoring. They have good defense. Um, it's it just, like, all come together for them. It's, it's kind of like a little little magic when, they, when you watch them play. It's their fun to watch. Um, and then the, the, the last team I wanted to mention was a was a cross-country team. We had uh, the East Lime boys cross-country team win the class uh, double M state championship mm -hmm. uh, last Saturday at the state championships. It was the first time that they had won a state championship since 1970. And I, I don't know, it, it, it seems like runners are serious sometimes, and it, it was kind of neat to see them a little giddy, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the the uh, Their top guy was third 
and he was a little disappointed not to win, and then he turned around, and there was another Islam kid right behind him in fourth, Ryan McCauley, and then another kid in sixth, Chris Abbey. So they, they finished right up there, and they, they finished with 60 points. So they, they won the double M title, and now now uh, go into the state open as a team. So that that's always nice for the top runners to have company from their whole team. So... Absolutely. So yeah, some good uh, some good things to keep an eye on, as you said. That uh, that uh, the girls soccer squad is is probably uh, among the the heaviest favorites, maybe if you look at uh, at entering a uh, a tournament. But uh, you never know. So we'll uh, and the Stonington boys as well. We'll keep an eye on them. So good stuff there. Uh, and one another thing we always like to uh, to get on the phone with Vicky about. She's one of our uh, one of our favorite storytellers. Always collecting stories from uh, from the high school athletes and teams that she covers out there. So uh, it's been a uh, I know the the fall season seems like it can kind of fly by, but any uh, any stories, any kids, any teams, any athletes that have really stood out to you, Vicky, as you've kind of uh, covered the beat here on the fall season. Yeah, I have a, a couple things. One um, we we had talked about before was um, the the Fitch Ledger field hockey team. Like mm-hmm. I, I know you, we we like to talk about um, you know as we get ready for the pairings and teams that are are going to the state tournament, but th- this story in particular, um, the Fitch-Ledyard field hockey team has had their best uh, best season in program history with the most wins, but um, so their their co-op earlier in the year was ruled to be um, too, too many kids over, a couple too many kids over to have their co-op, so um, so it would just be Fitch, not the Ledyard kids, there's like a few Ledyard kids on the team. And so um, the the CIAC presented the coach with, or the, the athletic directors and coaches with a with a um, with a choice. Like if you if you want to keep the Ledger kids on the team, you can keep them. Like kind of grandfathered the kids who are already on the team. Like don't do it anymore after they graduate. But if you want to keep these kids on the team, and they've been on it's been a co-op since 2014, so. The kids who are seniors who have been on the team their whole careers, and one of the Ledger girls was going to be captain. So they they said, "Look, you can you can keep these kids on the team, but you won't be eligible for the CIAC tournament." And so the coach, his name, her name is Diane Kolnaski, and so she's like, "All right, we well we're going to have to have a meeting." So she called the kids together, and she didn't know what they were going to say because mm-hmm. because you don't you don't know like. You want to go to the state tournament. That's the whole reason you play. That's the whole reason we're excited today because pairings come out tomorrow. Yep. Like you don't you don't know what they're gonna say, and the kids were like, um, "Coach, of course we want to keep the kit. You know, we want to keep our teammates." She D- Diane had said she had a speech all prepared about teamwork, and you know, we've had all the wins and losses together. And she said she didn't have to say the word. The, the kids were like, "Are you kidding me? We have to keep." We have to keep the team together, and Diane said it was probably her proudest moment having having coached the team for several years. This was probably her proudest moment. Mm-hmm. So, and and then when you when you talk to the, I I went and interviewed some of the kids, and you just get a sense that this it was like, of course, that was the right thing to do. Like, why would we pick anything else? And it it's just like I don't know, like some, sometimes you're you're proud of people and you don't even know them that well. It was yeah. like one of those moments that. That you're like, wow, like these kids, uh, like they they kind of get it, you know what what teamwork is all about, and what 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 they're getting out of the season doesn't necessarily have to be going to the state tournament. Like they they did it for themselves, and it it was just kind of like a selfless thing that that really made me take take notice, I guess. Yeah, no question. As as you say, you know we're uh, and and certainly, obviously, at the CIAC, we uh, you know the tournaments are are a big deal for us, and we hope that they're a big deal for the the kids all over the state. But uh, as you say, right. and and you know sometimes you need a you, you need a little some kids to give you a reminder that they're not the only important thing. That there's a uh, you know right. lots of other reasons to play and and lots of other reasons to. Uh, to be a, a, a participant in high school sports. So as you say, that was a great story. And, and seeing kids do, a, I think, make, a, as you uh, as you said to me in an email, and we were talking about this, a, a very mature decision, yeah. uh, you know, on the part of some uh, some high school yeah. students. So that is a great story. And, and then it, it, it seems easy. It's almost like they hadn't made the state tournament since 2011. So, of course, you're like, well, we might not even make it. But now 
now to have qualified and not to and not to be able to play it makes it even like sting a little more maybe mm-hmm. you know like uh <laughs> so close yeah but um uh one of one of the uh couple things um so um i was covering a football game recently uh or earlier in the season and um i was interviewing the east lime uh, starting fullback, his name is Isaac Tomblin, and he's a senior. And he was—he's he, like a a tough kid. Like he he kind of drags the pile along with him, you know. When when he runs, he 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 runs a lot inside, and he just kind of drags guys with him and mm-hmm. get gets the first down always. And he was in the middle of uh, a string of nine straight games uh, with a hundred yards or more rushing. And I w- went to talk to him, and I'm like, oh, do you know where you're going to college yet? And he's like, well, that's kind of interesting that you should ask that. I'm like, really? Um, why? Um, because I want to major in engineering, but I want to double major in music performance. And so um, I might go to MIT hmm. to do to do that. So he he so I, I immediately like earmarked that to go back to later in the season and go talk to him about. Um, He's a French horn player, huh. and so I, I found out. Um, I went and interviewed him last week, and um, not only is he a French horn player, but he's the number one high school French horn player in the country. Wow! <laughs> so um, the week after the week after Thanksgiving, he's going to play play against Waterford in the Thanksgiving game. The next week, he's going to Orlando to be um, like you have like all state and all region and everything. He's in the all all nation um orchestra symphony oh orchestra in in orlando and he made first chair so he's the section leader for the french horn so he's the number one french horn player in the country in addition to having uh east line be five and two and all the rushing yards and all the touchdowns and everything like that and might be going to mit so he was a pretty special uh kid to interview he's <laughs> Yeah, sounds like a, sounds like a, a reasonably accomplished uh, young man there at, uh, <laughs> at at East Lime. He's he's doing a few things right. Yeah, so that that was kind of he catches your attention right away after a game when you when you speak to him, you know, and it's it's different than speaking to you know some some people, and then um, you know we go to then I go to interview him and I find out he's even more accomplished than you even know in the first place. Right. <laughs> That's uh, that's uh, that's pretty remarkable. So uh, so uh, yeah. a great uh, a great team story and a, and a great young man uh, uh, filling up the uh, the pages of the New London Day yeah. out there, uh, Vicky. We we appreciate it. Uh, do you have any more? We we have we have a, um, an an it's a story about an alum a, a Waterford alum. Yep. Um, Adeline Martucci from from she played girls basketball at Waterford, and um, and then at Quinnipiac during their Sweet Sixteen run last year. Um, was in Puerto Rico playing professionally. She signed a professional contract, was all happy, goes to Puerto Rico, plays th- three games into the season, and the, the big hurricane hit Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. So now she she was, like, stuck in Puerto Rico, and she finally got home after, you know, a few days and a few a few days of not being even being able to be in touch with her parents or anything. And uh, finally... Uh, got to come home, um, but the the season is essentially over. So, right. but that that also that puts that in perspective. You know, like she wanted to play so bad, and now it's you know that puts that in perspective. Um, what what the country went through, and and um, how uh, they had no power or anything, or no phone service. But there there were people in their neighborhood who who basically had nothing. And but but would invite them over for breakfast and say like oh come over for breakfast and just like the kindness of people around you know pe- people are killing each other like trying to go in stores and steal food and stuff and here the, these people are are opening their homes to the to the young women who were playing over there so Adelie came home and she's home unexpectedly because she thought she would still be over there playing so she um, is designing. A line of shirts and all the not well. I don't, I don't know if all the money, but a portion of the money she raises, she's going to send back to the people in Puerto Rico who oh, who helped her during the storm. 
Oh, that's great. So that I thought, so that that's a, a little alum alumni story. <laughs> good stuff. Always good stuff, Vicky. We uh, so some great some great stories, some great uh, teams to keep an eye on, and I know we're all uh, excited to see how the next few weeks are going to shake out. And uh, and as always, Definitely. we appreciate it. So uh, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, and have fun the next few weeks keeping tabs on everything. Thank you so much, Joel. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Vicky. Always like getting on the phone with her. She uh, she really has a passion for high school sports, and I think that comes through uh, in both her coverage and in the conversations that we have with her, uh, talking about things happening uh, in in her part of the state. So love getting on the phone with Vicky and appreciate her carving out a little time in what is a busy time of year for everybody. And speaking of a very, very busy time of year and a very, very busy individual, uh, as I said, it was a, a wild weekend in high school football this past weekend, so we don't want to uh, totally uh, turn away from that. Let's get on the phone. Sean Patrick Boley of New Haven Register and Game Time CT to help us uh, try to get our hands around uh, what happened in the world of high school football this past weekend and start looking ahead a little bit. It was a very, very interesting week of high school football this past week, and so we need to uh, get on the phone with our man Sean Patrick Boley of the New Haven Register and Game Time CT to help kind of uh, help us get a handle on everything and, and take the temperature of, uh, of high school football in Connecticut at this point. So, Sean, how's it going? It's going great. The, the weather's cool, but the temperature, as far as uh, the high school football season goes, is extremely hot. It's scorching. All right. Scorching. It's crazy. So, yeah, scorching hot. Scorching, scorching hot. hot. All right. So we'll, we'll we'll get things off here with sort of the, uh, the 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 big thing that caught my attention and I'm sure caught a lot of people's attention uh, this past weekend, and that was the uh, the contest between North Haven and Xavier, uh, ultimately won by North Haven in overtime. Uh, and Mr. Boley here tweeted out, I believe, shortly after the game that, that he thought it was the best high school football game he's ever covered. So for somebody who's uh, who's been on the beat for quite a while here, and I know you don't uh, – you're not necessarily given to hyperbole. So uh, tell us a little bit about that game, Mr. Boley, and, uh, and uh, for the folks who didn't see it, kind of draw a picture for us, and, and why was this such a memorable affair there on uh, this past weekend? Uh, well, where to begin on it? Um, yeah, I try, I'm really, I try not to get too crazy with hyperbole and, and, and make declarations like that. But, uh, but and there have certainly been great games over the years that kind of maybe match it, but I wasn't there. A lot of commenters on Game Time CT were talking about the Shelton Xavier uh, Class L, Double L, small championship a few years back, mm-hmm. and that was certainly a great one, And uh, but I was not there. That's the thing. I, I'd have to be there. And there's also been memorable turkey bowls between Darien and Cannon last year's comeback by New Cannon was, was one of them. Xavier versus Hill House in 2012. Uh, I, I missed the second half of the St. Joseph game. Um, I would probably put, if, if I stayed, that would probably would have been up there. Um, but uh, I think what made this one so great was, first of all, it was a pretty hard-hitting, hard, you know, big play-making affair. And, you know, you had two teams that are, Xavier's fighting for whatever class double L life it had in, mm-hmm. in North Haven, too, in L. And there was just a lot, just so many great big plays and extraordinary efforts. And, um, and like, Levis hurling over a pile of players. And, <laughs> uh, and Mark Montano, uh, you know, breaking tackles and making big hits. It was just off the charts. Yeah. Just so many great plays in that game. And, you know, and the funny thing about it was it was only a 14 nothing game at halftime. And, you know, North Haven was North Haven. It was basically running at single wing and kind of pounding away at a pretty it, it's a struggling Xavier defense uh, for the most part all year. Um, and they were only, you know, they're off 14 to nothing. And then it was 21 to nothing when Montana returned to kick off 96 yards for a touchdown to start the second half. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there like, Ugh, this could get ugly. Right. And sure enough, Xavier, Xavier misses a fourth down, um, and North Haven goes right back down and scores again. So now it's twenty-seven nothing, and we're you know we're early in the third quarter. It's about nine minutes left, and I'm like, wow, North Haven's putting on a clinic here. I actually tweeted that part out. Yeah. And no, no sooner that I said that, Xavier scores. Okay, no big deal. Xavier scores, and then from then on, it was just madness, chaos. Will Levis. Uh, the Penn State recruit at Xavier, the senior quarterback, 
all of a sudden he just couldn't miss. He, he completed all but two of his passes in the second half, and he and Xavier's defense, which is being pushed around a bit, um, created two key fumbles on two, three, two of three North Haven drives. So this wasn't like an onside kick deal. What happened? Right. This comeback, you know, like North St. Joseph needed a couple onside kicks back to back to beat Richfield. That's amazing. But in this case, Xavier defense stiffened and allowed Levis to come back. And next thing you know, it's fourteen to twenty-seven, fourteen, and then it was twenty-seven to twenty-one, and we were still only a couple minutes away from the fourth quarter. <laughs> and by the by, the time the third quarter arrived, right, I mean the fourth quarter arrived, right before that, Levis leaps over the pile, gets down to the two-yard line, and they were going to score that touchdown. No matter what anyone is going to say, if you start the fourth, sure enough, they do, and now they're ahead. It was one of the greatest comebacks uh, as far as point differential in state history. Um, if you want to. Look at it that way. But then after that, after we all had a quarter left to play. Right. <laughs> and which was just it, it, unfathomable. And what the teams proceeded to do over the next, uh, over the next 50, uh, whatever, 12 minutes of game time was just trade haymakers. Yeah. Lavish or Montana. You know, you know, North Haven came after being completely shut down in the third quarter. North Haven came flying back. And then Xavier came flying back. And then North Haven came flying back, 42-35. to 35. And then it was – they scored 70 points in the second half, and we went into overtime. It was just – and everyone's exhausted by that point. And, and it just came down to the flip of a coin. You know, I think if Xavier had won that coin flip, they probably would have gone for two if they, if they had scored second. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, it was North Haven, and they gave the ball to Montana on the two-point conversion, and that was it. And yeah. it was it – was, I mean, look, they've been great games, and, you know, people complain, well, where's the defense? But the defense was there, especially in the first half and the, in the third quarter for Xavier, um, and then it just exploded. It, it was it was a sight to see. And, uh, it's a regular season game. It didn't have a lot of, you know, top, like, playoff implications, or it wasn't a state championship game or a playoff game, but it was certainly one of the best ones I've seen in 17 years. Uh, I, I said it was the best one. And I, I'm just kind of, you think about it, well, am I wrong? I don't want to get too crazy <laughs> on that. But I, I, the more I think about it, the more it, it was just, it was a great high school football game. No matter how you cut it, nobody will forget it. I mean, the losers, you, you feel bad for the losers, and you feel great for the winners, and you wish nobody won, you know? You yeah. wish it was just a tie. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so it was it was tremendous, and I'm um, really glad to be there. It was a Saturday night, which allowed me to be there. Had that been on a Friday night, I would not have gone. I would have been at Shelton West David. Yeah. No, it's, uh, as you said, and I think part of, uh, in some ways, I'm almost, uh, it almost helps the story a little bit, I think, that, uh, as you say, you know, not, obviously there are some uh, postseason implications in that game, but it's it's not the state championship, and I think that that's part of the, certainly from uh, from CIAC perspective, you know, you like to feel that uh, every single one of the regular season games, you know, that these kids are out there playing has the chance to kind of be memorable for, uh, for somebody in some way, so then when you get a game like that, that... Uh, you know, it's just a just one of uh, one of ten uh, you know regular season contests that these teams are going to play, but uh, certainly yep. one that uh, that those guys, as you say, are not going to forget. So, uh, yeah, I think the thing that I was most most impressed with was just the competitiveness, the drive of each player who was on the field. Yeah, I think that really stuck out for me, despite the fact that they had been down. Xavier showed no quit. You know, one of those it, it's, it's an old trope, but or an old, old uh, it's a cliche, but they really showed no quit in that game. They could have folded up, and then North Haven could have folded up. And but the kids on that field were determined to win that game, and they all and you know it just came down to a couple inches and the coin flip. That was basically it, and that was tremendous. Yeah, no question about it. If you have not seen uh, Mr. Bowley's uh, video tribute and and story to uh, to that game on uh, on Game Time CT, I encourage you to. Uh, to go check it out. So that was, uh, you know, uh, as, as, and, and to, by the same token of saying, you know, you, with high school, it, it could be any game that uh, provides the, the memorable one. Kind of heading into that weekend, Sean, it didn't look like uh, the slate of games was going to be, uh, you know, maybe the most exciting or, or ones that were really going to, you know, shape up or, or shake up the, the state playoff picture heading into last weekend, but that turned out to not be the case. So kind of update folks on, on some of the other craziness that happened around the state and, um, you know, and, and what, uh, you know, kind of, uh, and, and where that leaves us uh, at that point. 
Yeah, well, it was, there hadn't been a lot of surprising results throughout the season. We've kind of been status quo. The top ten didn't really change much. Um, and then Friday night, you know, the sky fell, the seas boiled, and, and Southern had lost their first uh, regular season game in, in four years uh, to uh, East Harford team that now we have to start to take seriously because they're right there in the class uh, double L rankings, and they're number seven right now. And they have a lot; they have some points to get. Um, and now Southern sinks below them, and, and now they're going to be looking at that South Windsor showdown in a couple of weeks. And South Windsor lost to Connor Jack Moore. The Connor quarterback kind of put his name into the uh, into the statewide consciousness uh, by by picking South Windsor apart. South Windsor had been undefeated at that point. And mm-hmm. Connor had been literally up and down. Connor's win season went win loss win loss win loss, and then right before the uh, the South Windsor game, you're like, if you follow the pattern, well, they should have won. You should have looked. You should, all should have saw it coming, <laughs> but uh, no one did. And so South Windsor, uh, they almost came back to win that game. And, but no, they, they, they lose. And then uh, you have West Haven uh, getting beat by Shelton. That's not really a surprise because it's probably the best rivalry in the SEC right now. But Shelton had lost to Cheshire. West Haven beat Cheshire up. And but I think we saw that this is a different Shelton team now. I mean, the juniors and sophomores were all started uh, at the beginning of the year. Kind of, you know, they, were, they were a little wet behind the years. Now they're grown up now. Now they're... You know, extra, they're an extra class ahead where they were maybe six weeks ago. It's a different mm-hmm. team. So, uh, so Shelton's put itself really in great position now in double O and make the playoffs. You, know, you weren't quite sure of that back in week one. And you were more like, well, Cheshire is the one we look at. Now Shelton's sitting there right behind Darianne. And, and then you have, uh, you know, West Haven, which, which dropped not too far. And then they have still some big games left. Hillhouse Xavier and Fairfield Prep. Yeah, to go. <laughs> all these upsets, and I mean, they also have Valley and Cromwell, which you know, that's another one. Valley, uh, Valley came off the uh, got itself off the map after losing to uh, uh, Old Saybrook Westbrook, and handed Cromwell its first loss of the season. And they put themselves right back into the Class S picture. Had they lost that game, it's, Class S is so tight right now. You want two losses, you're in big trouble. And and uh, the kids responded. And that's off to them. So, um, yeah, the, what to take from this is now the stage is being set. Like we thought we had a pretty good picture of it. Now teams that need to win are starting to win the big games yeah. to to make their case. And it goes. You know, you look at all. You look at that North Haven Xavier uh, game again, and I talked about how the kids were just so determined to win that one game. They just the X. You just had another gear or another effort to push their, you know, to push their uh, efforts into the stratosphere, I suppose. Um, so I think you're, you're seeing statewide, and the teams that suddenly realize, huh, we don't get our act together right now, um, we're not going to be in the postseason, and I, and I think you see a lot of that. And even the teams that probably don't have any shot at all, they are, they're playing spoiler, they're coming up with uh, extraordinary efforts, and it's just a testament uh, to the kids to be able to do things like this and that's why i love that's why i love football you don't have a lot of chances um to make an impression uh, so you got to make the most of every game yeah as we were saying uh, not not to you know the, the, you only get a few of these every year so uh so we'll go um uh, i'll i'll steal this question i steal this question from uh, one of my favorite podcasts they always ask all the time and uh, i'll sort of it's very broad so you can kind of get as uh, as big picture as you like but after all of that excitement and uh, and kind of craziness this past weekend where are we now in terms of the, the 2017 high school football season in Connecticut? What are you kind of looking at uh, big picture in terms of, you know, storylines or, or where things are shaping up uh, as we go forward? Um, well, I think a big part of this is uh, the FCAC last year, if you remember, you know, they won two of three state championships. And I think now they're going to be taking center stage again. It seems like it alternates every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two pretty big games that's going to kind of determine what the rest of November is going to look like uh, because it, they're they're huge. I mean, you have uh, Greenwich versus Ridgefield on Saturday, and then also St. Joseph versus Staples. Staples barely hanging in there at number twelve, and St. Joseph probably really can't afford another loss. Although they can probably get in class F because their schedule's so great, mm-hmm. um, but they're going to want to like take care of business and. 
and knocked Staples out. Then you have Richfield, which, again, with two losses, they lost that heartbreaker to St. Joe, and they were dominating it. Um, can they get themselves back into the picture like they did last year? Remember, they had two losses last year and then rallied to all the way to the state championship game, and can they do that again? Um, so those are two big games for the FDAC this week. I think it's kind of like week 8B because <laughs> um, – because the Deaf Deck didn't really have a lot of big games last week. So now here's their big game. And last week they had the SEC and the CCC, and they were playing some big ones. And now the FDAC kind of chimes in here. So now that'll set the stage for the next next three weeks going into Thanksgiving, and then we can kind of see where everyone stands. And then those those games in the FDAC, they have implications in double L and F. Yeah. So those are those are really big. Um, we can kind of get a clearer picture. Can Darian, that's another one, can Darian win another class double O championship. Right now they're right on course. They're only a huge game left. They have Wilton this week. They, but they don't after that they play Bridgeport Central. It's only lost lost one. And then they have New Canaan on Thanksgiving, which is going to be another barn burner. Sure. Um so that's going to be interesting. where they where do they stand? And then you also look at some of the, the teams that you know you don't hear about as much like in Naugatuck. Naugatuck is sitting in three in class double L right now. Yep. Um and they have Wilkett, they have Waterbury career before their big, huge showdown with Antonia. And Antonia hasn't lost an NVL game since 2010. They 71 games. I think Cal Brennan figured it out. Um, and Cam Naugatuck, you know, upset the uh, apple cart here and put a crimp in some class double L hopes. So that's another interesting one. And S is definitely going to be one the one to watch. You know, Antonia, St. Joseph, Fullard Haven, Prince Tech, Rocky Hill, Carmel Portland, Old Saver. Again, you know, just a list of teams go all the way down. They're starting to weed them out a little bit. You know, if you have two more than two losses, you're done pretty much. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be a tight race. And I haven't even begun to look really at Class L. Um, you know, as far as that's concerned, Windsor is chugging along. Young team is chugging along. Massic too in, in the SWC. I don't see anyone beating them. Middletown's been great. Um, they really whooped up EO Smith a few weeks back. Fitch, I think, is on. They have one big game this week. They're playing East Line. That that should be interesting. But if they win that, you can pretty much set them up for a, a playoff spot. And then the one I'm really watching this week is going to be Hand versus Cheshire. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of wrap this up, um, you know, Hand is an SEC team, but they got dropped into Tier Two, which is the middle division in, SC, in the SEC. Right. They don't play all the big teams, so they've kind of had it pretty easy for you know a team that's used to playing up the, the higher division. But now they play Cheshire, which is desperate to keep winning heading into Thanksgiving. So that's going to be a, a pretty interesting matchup at the, at the surf club that everyone's going to be looking at. Yeah, no question about it. So a lot uh, a lot still to uh, to shake out, and, uh, and we're looking forward to it. And it does seem like, you know, and obviously the uh, the, the rankings uh, that you can find at CICsports.com are, gonna, are going to shift dramatically uh, over the next few weeks. But it does seem like at least um, – you know, at this point, it, it seemed like last year the the story of the year maybe was that uh, you know it was sort of the the same teams dominant uh, you know as they had been the previous year. This year, at least, you know, and, and who knows how the things will shake out. But it does seem like there's at least a a sampling of some familiar faces, but some uh, maybe some teams that we haven't seen in the mix uh, in recent years as well, which certainly adds kind of a you know an interesting uh, flavor to it. And we'll see if they can uh, can kind of stick in and then make some noise uh, in the in the postseason. So. Uh, my, my next question to you, and we'll let you do a little uh, – I'm getting all kinds of gimmicks here that I, I don't usually bring out, but like to uh, to test Sean a little bit. And we'll do uh, – you know, if you're kind of looking at this as like uh, maybe a stock report, who are some teams that you see as kind of on the uh, the upward trend right now and maybe some teams that uh, that are starting to uh, to fade a little bit maybe as we get towards the finish line here in the regular season? Well, obviously you want to start with West Haven and Southington. West Haven – it you know, was cruising along, so they bumped into Shelton and got and got beat. They committed three turnovers in that second half and really had some issues after having a dominant first half. So they've kind of fallen back a bit. And like I said before, they they uh, their their schedule the rest of the way is not easy. Mm-hmm. They start off with Hillhouse this week, um, and then they go. Uh, they have to play Xavier, which you know Xavier's going to want to upset the apple cart, I'm sure. Yep. And then they have Fairfield Prep, which is going to be a huge game down the road. So West Haven has some soul searching to do after that loss, and sort of something, which is two straight weeks that it hasn't played really great, and finally bit them um, against East Harford. I know all the kids kind of took it as a wake up call. I can see some of them tweeting about, you know, all right, the comeback starts now. So I think they're properly motivated. Uh, and maybe that's what they needed. Maybe they needed a loss to get themselves in. But 
they are definitely kind of trending down now, and everyone's kind of wondering what what their story is. Mm-hmm. Um, other teams that are, uh, are that have kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, let's see here. Ooh. Well, let me go over the two big ones. Cromwell Portland, obviously, uh, that was an interesting game. It looks like they're going to have to be, win that Rocky Hill game on uh, Thanksgiving Eve, um, as normally to, to get into the state playoffs. So they, that that loss really really hurt them and. and Maybe they're doing a little soul-searching as well. So that's another one in South Windsor. They've been kind of living on the edge for, for weeks now, and they finally got bit by a hot quarterback. So uh, those are the teams kind of trending down right now. But the ones that are trending up are Greenwich, which is, you know, they had a couple five weeks early, and you didn't get a really good game. And then they finally beat Buchanan for the first time in like 10 or whatever it was, 10 years, 11 years. And they've been really impressed the way they're going into play in Richfield at home on Saturday. We'll see. This is their second big game of the, of the year. They have a pretty tough schedule in. Uh, Darien's been great up here. They've been running off the, the whole time. They had, a, they had a little hiccup against Ward, but they didn't play so great and only won 17-0. But they've been tremendous all season. Another team that, that just keeps flying up is Antonia. You know, it, it's, people kind of knock them for their schedule. And, and maybe the NBL has a little bit to do with that. But, you know, the NBL itself is pretty competitive, and then you, you, you drop Antonia into the mix, and it's incredible how they dominate games. Yeah. The coaching staff and the players um, about how thorough they are and how good they are. It's, you just shake your head, and you have to tip your cap to them. It, it, it's a pretty amazing uh, accomplishment to win your league game for the better part of seven years. Yeah. So um, that's Matic is another one that really has been kind of off the radar. The SWC has not been great. Matic has been avoided there. Um, another one, obviously, is Shelton. I think Shelton is probably one of the hottest teams in the state right now. Just, they don't blow teams away, but they win games. They just win. And I think that, and that's the most important thing. And they're all juniors, and they're all sophomores. And you, you kind of want to look ahead and say, what's this team going to look like next year? Um, we don't want to do that now because they're making every effort to, to get back to the state championship game. They missed out on it a year ago. Yep. And this, this, to have this group get in there, uh, that would be a, a, quite an amazing accomplishment. And I think the last team, I think, is Middletown as far as trending up. I mean, they're heading out to Hudson Catholic for a, for a non-state game. Um, so they're going to take a little break from, from the state. But they've been tremendous all year long. Um, that's a, certainly a team to watch in the L division. Yep, no question about it. All right, so some good teams, uh, you know that uh, that, and still, uh, still for those teams that maybe didn't like to hear Sean say that they might be uh, trending down a little bit, still time to uh, to correct that course here as we head uh, into the final few weeks of the the regular season. All right, so we'll let you uh, we'll let you wrap up here, Sean, and uh, I'm not going to ask for you know predictions necessarily or anything like that because you don't even know how the you know what the postseason brackets are going to look like in terms of who's going to end up matched up against who, but uh, if if you uh, looking at it right now, and, and you know putting uh, the CIC rankings aside, uh, give me what the, what you would consider the the top two teams in in each division uh, at this point in the season. If if you had to uh, to peg them right now, um, yeah, let me, let's start with S. I think S the the top two are clearly the top two who are in the playoff bracket right now. That would be Antonia and St. Joseph. I find it amazing. Uh, that St. Joseph is sitting there at number two with, with one loss, and there are one, two, three, three undefeated teams below them. But mm-hmm. uh, that's because they play such a great schedule, and, and uh, they're just, you're not your typical classist team, clearly. Yep. But uh, they, they are uh, one of the, they're obviously, they're clearly one of the best teams in that class, and everyone's looking at that. Can we get that Antonio St. Joseph showdown? It would be the a rematch of the 2010 classist championship. Um, you have a lot of great teams in Class S there, you know, Cromwell, Portland, Old Saybrook Valley Regional, Bloomfield, uh, just to name a few. But uh, I don't think any of those teams right now match the, the top two, Antonio St. Joseph. Um, going to Class M, really got to be impressed with what Killingly has done. You know, Spencer Lockwood and, and that team, they're just bludgeoning the ECC right now. Um, but another one to look out for is Coventry, the Coventry Co-op. They've done a tremendous job. They're, they are the only undefeated team left in, in the Pequot right now. Mm-hmm. And another team that's been kind of flying underneath the radar a little bit there is Berlin and then even Sheehan. 
Um, but I think the top two in that class, I, I, I would not be surprised. You know, I, I, I like Berlin, but I, I, I saw Sheehan play for it. And, and talk about young teams, Sheehan is a really, uh, really impressive-looking group, despite being mostly juniors and, and sophomores even. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting team to, to watch in the postseason. Uh, I do think Killingly might be the best in class there. Uh, and, 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 but that's a crazy division. We don't know who's going to end up uh, in the top. So yep. when you move to Class L, Class L is, I think the top two for me are right now uh, might be Massick and Middletown. They've certainly put up the most impressive numbers. Um, I don't think Massick's played a great team yet. And that might be a little bit of concern for, for uh, the team going forward. Um, we'll see how they play against Newtown, which is you know only 5-2, and two, but by, by no means uh, a, a slouch. Yeah. Um, and Middletown putting on a clinic versus E.O. Smith two weeks ago really kind of opened my eyes to them. I, I'm cu- still curious about Windsor. They're very, again, you're talking about young teams. I think they're really, they, they still have something to show. They're going to have a chance to do it. They play NFA and then Middletown. That Middletown-Windsor game on Thanksgiving Eve is going to be pretty great, I, I would imagine. Yep. Um, but I, I, right now, I think the best two look like Mask and Middletown. Um, and then you're shifting over to Class Double L. Darian, the defending champions, just steamrolling everybody for the most part. And they're obviously the best. But then you look at the rest of it, and you're like, eh, uh, there's only a couple undefeated teams after them. Naugatuck, which is in the NBL, hasn't played anyone great. Greenwich has only beaten New Canaan. And if you look at the rest of their, their schedule, they haven't really had any two impressive wins, maybe West Hill. Um, so, you know, we really are going to that, – that Richfield game this Saturday is just really massive just to see what they're going to be made of. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask me right, and you did ask me right now who the best two are, uh, Darian, I'm going to have to go with Shelton. Shelton's playing the best. Uh, they've beaten West Haven. They shut them out in the second half. Uh, it doesn't look like a young team anymore. They look like grizzled bets. So, you know, could we get another Shelton Darian showdown? It rematched from two years ago at Possible Championship. So, uh, you know, Shelton's been dying to get that. They've been to so many state finals in the last couple of years or last few years. Uh, they haven't won one since 2003, so they're they're itching to get one. And, you know, maybe this is the year. I mean, is this Darian team as strong as the one, the two preceding it? Certainly a different one. Um, and we'll get to see what they're really made of uh, in, a, in a few weeks when they play New Canaan. So that's kind of like where we stand right now as far as I'm concerned. But who knows, you know, who, who's going to come up from the bottom and, and stun it where, like a Ridgefield last year or, you know, or, or a Hill House. You know? So that, that it's, it's November is a great month for, for football because um, you start to see the excitement build and and you know and what you thought you knew at the beginning of the year it completely gets turned upside down by the end of the year most times. Yep, so, I'm excited. No question about it. As you said, the the weather's starting to to turn a little colder and uh, and lots of good stuff there. Lots of good things to to keep an eye on. And so I uh, I highly encourage folks to keep their eyes on uh, on Game Time CT. Uh, the purveyor of that site is Mr. Sean Boley. He does a wonderful job keeping tabs on everything that's going on in all sports, not just in high school football, but uh, wonderful high school football coverage there, of course, as well. So, Sean, we appreciate it. Uh, enjoy uh, the November sprint here, and then I know we will be uh, hopefully checking in with you again once uh, once playoff season shake out. We appreciate it, my friend. All right, Joel, thanks a lot. We'll definitely see you out there. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Sean for joining us, as well as Vicki Fulkerson of the Day of New London, Tom Mallon, our Boys and Girls Soccer Tournament Director, Hope you enjoyed it, folks. This is going to be fun. We've got a, a lot of good things happening. We crowned 12 champions in cross-country last weekend. If you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, we've got uh, more champions coming on Friday, and pairings are out. You can find them tournamentcentral.cicsports.com or just look for the Tournament Central page at cicsports.com. Follow us on Twitter. We tweet out every single tournament result. Uh, once it's uh, once it's finalized here in the next few weeks. So if you want to uh, know the second a game goes final, follow us on Twitter, at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. We put all kinds of interesting things there as well. And, of course, as I said, Instagram. Hopefully be posting some pictures and some good stuff from around the state uh, as we head into uh, tournament time here as well. So CIAC Sports on Instagram. And, of course, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher. You can listen to us, all of those uh, excellent podcast venues. And uh, if you do um, 
do listen to us on iCat on uh, excuse me on iTunes. We'd love if you would uh, subscribe and uh, rate us and leave us a review there as well. That would be a nice thing for you to do. Of course, uh, you know it's entirely up to you. But uh, if you would do that for us, that would be appreciated. And uh, we thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. It's going to be a fun few weeks. Uh, hopefully, going to stick to our every other week schedule here with the CIAC cast. Well, it always gets a little uh, a little crazy during tournament time, but we'll certainly st- try and stick to that. Uh, so we'll be back in uh, in a week or so, a little over a week or so. Hopefully with another edition of the CIC cast. We thank you so much for listening. Uh, keep your eyes on the tournament. Sign up for email and text alerts. Get all of the tournament things you need there at CIACsports.com and Tournament Central. Hope you'll be back with us when we uh, talk a little bit more about those tournaments as they progress here on another edition of the CIC cast. Let's have some fun. <laughs> <laughs>